So I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles uh, to Acts chapter 1. Uh, as a church, we've been going through a series of a survey of the New Testament and looking at the first and last chapter of each book. And so um, we've gone through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And now we are beginning to go from the Gospels into Acts, and that will then lead us into the epistles of the, of the church. And uh, as you're turning there, Acts is, is a key and a bridge from the Gospels to the, the letters to the church and the epistles. And it's a, it's, it's a transition time from when Christ was here in his earthly ministry uh, and passing on the mission to the church and it's an exciting time and it's full of of promise and hope and it's a uh, and mission and and there's a, a lot to to look forward to and um we're only going to look at acts chapter one maybe a, a little bit of some of the other stories but um i encourage you to to spend time in, in the in the book of acts and look at the movement of god through the church so we'll begin in verse one and read the entirety of chapter one in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from, from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father which he had said, you heard from me, for John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem for the mount, from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these with... All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in, in all about 120 and said, Brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in, in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called, in their own language, Ecladema. I practiced that, I swear. <laughs> uh, that is a field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it. 
and let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become uh, with us a witness to the, his resurrection. And they put forward to Joseph called Barsabbas, who was called, also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show with one of, of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go into his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. And that's where we'll conclude our reading today. So there's a lot in this text, and we don't have time to cover all of it. Um, from the, the signs of what is a true apostle from the baptism of Jesus until his ascension um, is the, 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 the apostles that, that Jesus had appointed and uh, a couple other things that we'll, we'll mention, but we won't have time to unpack uh, today. But as we, we look into Acts, he says this is his second letter that he's reading and, and uh, writing to. And, and in Luke, we, uh, we just learned just a few weeks back that Luke said in Luke 1, writing to Theophilus, Theophilus as well, says, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, compiling eyewitness testimonies and talking to the, the, the believers who saw everything happen and putting it together in order that Theophilus could have certainty of the things that happened. And the, the purpose was that you might know the truth and you might know who Jesus is and be certain of who he is. And so when he continues on now in the second book he writes to Theophilus on the, on the, of Acts, he says in, in, in Luke that he wrote with all that Jesus began to do and teach, which I think is a, a unique phrase here that Luke, the gospel of Luke from the birth of Christ uh, through his ascension is the beginning of what Jesus has done. Not taking away from what Jesus said on the cross when he says it is finished. Jesus was talking about the sacrifice for sins, the propitiation that his blood sacrificed on the cross was the propitiation, the satisfaction of God's wrath, and redemption was accomplished. It was uh, it ha what he had set out to do to uh, purchase our redemption, our freedom, our forgiveness of sins and justification with God in the relationship to the Father had been secured on the cross. But Jesus ha is not done working. Sometimes we, we, we hear the story that Jesus came he lived a life, he, he died, he was buried, he rose again, and he went up to heaven, and then he's done. Um, but he is now seated in a position of authority at the right hand of the Father, and he is active, he is our advocate. He, uh, he stands in our defense before the Father. When the accuser comes and attacks us, Jesus claims us. He says, they have accepted me, they are mine, my blood purchased them. So Jesus is very active. And so when we come to the Acts, some, and even my Bible here has it titled The Acts of the Apostles. But really this could be titled The Acts of Jesus Christ Through the Holy Spirit in the Life of the Apostles and His Church. That the works that the church is doing from the time of the apostles even to today are the works of Jesus Christ 
in our lives and through our lives. And so as we consider that, that when we come to the book of Acts and when we come to the scriptures, that we want to keep the main thing, the main thing, which is the proclamation of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, the gospel message. So here he mentions the kingdom of God in the first chapter of Acts, and he doesn't mention the kingdom of God throughout all of Acts until the last chapter of Acts, where he once again mentions the kingdom of God. And through the gospels, we've heard Jesus declaring the kingdom of God, talking about the kingdom of God. Uh, but the subtle shift, or not so subtle, subtle shift, really, from the kingdom of God to the gospel uh, is where the gospel is proclaiming the kingdom of God. The gospel is proclaiming the truth of Jesus Christ. The euangelion, the gospel, uh, the, even the word in the Greek uh, would have, for the first century hearers, would have been a proclamation of the movement of the king. Uh, that it was a word normally used to pastor out a kingdom when the king was, was changing a law or moving or, or war was happening or whatever was happening. Whatever had to do with the, the king, that would be the word. That when he declared something would happen, that word was, was used. And so when we say the gospel, we're saying the good news of the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is king, that he is on the move, he is active, and he is working. And so when we think about the main thing, the main point is that we stay focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ to the whole world in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's kind of what we're going to talk about today. It's a work that Jesus began and continues to do through the Holy Spirit in our lives today. And we need to see that it begins where we are, branches out to our surrounding communities, and then ultimately onto the, the farthest reaches of the world. That's God's plan for us, in us, and through us to proclaim his kingdom is on the move. So the acts of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit in the church, the apostles, you and me, all Christians, all time, is the main thing. So Paul could then say, in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul is declaring that his faith, his life, everything he's doing for God's glory, for God's mission, for the gospel, is because Jesus Christ is alive and well in him and through him. It is not he who does it. And I like to use my phrase... Um, if, it's, if it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's Brad. It's shorter than Paul's, but it reminds me pretty quick that when, uh, when I get involved, I can mess things up. I'm a sinner. I have a fallen nature. I'm prone to mistakes. And so when I get in the way, um, then, then I mess things up. But when I stay submitted to the Holy Spirit, when I stay submitted to Jesus, and I invite him in, and I seek him through prayer, through his word, through his community of faith, then and I become a blessing to others or uh, ambassador for him, that is Jesus working in and through me. It's not me. It is God. So, so we can then, as Paul also said in Ephesians, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Again, it is grace the grace of God that saves us. It's not anything we do or earn. It is what Jesus has done in and through us. And then we are created in him for good works, which God has prepared in advance. Even the good things we do for the kingdom, and we can't take credit for it. We look back and say, wow, look what God has done. Look at what he is doing. Look, and then the confidence that gives us in what he then will do through our life. 
Again, Paul writes later in Philippians, it said, being confident of this very thing, that he which began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. It's a confidence that we have that God began uh, a work through Jesus Christ, that Jesus began a work and it continues to work. And, uh, and it is the main thing that we want to stay um, focused on. And so in verse 1 through 3, the, the main thing is that Jesus Christ came, he lived, he suffered, uh, he was buried, he rose again, and he ascends to heaven. Like, we need to remember these truths. And then the focus of the main thing is, as Stephen Covey put it, is the main thing is keeping the main thing the main thing. So that needs to be our focus, is that our focus is keeping our eyes on Christ, keeping our attention on the gospel and what God's doing, that God's movement, and not get caught up in the things of this world. And two things in this chapter that kind of uh, demonstrate that we are prone to wander, prone to look at other things. And so right after Jesus promised the, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not many days from now, um, it says in verse 6, so, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So Jesus had resurrected from the dead and he had appeared many times to the disciples, the apostles, to the gathered ones for 40 days. And he taught the kingdom of God. And, uh, and he was preparing them. And then, then the last day, right before he's to ascend into heaven... The question is, like, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And, and Jesus doesn't rebuke them for saying this. He doesn't say, oh, that's a, a dumb or stupid question. Uh, but he kind of helps them realize that your focus is too narrow, that your focus is on Israel and the nation uh, of how the prophecies of the Old Testament have then been um, claimed by Israel, and, which they are real for Israel, but through years of suffering and watching other nations control you, the desire to throw off those nations, to be set free, to focus on just wiping them out and destroying them is like, hey, you're going to do that right now, right? Like, and the disciples did it through the, through the Gospels, and then here they are right before he goes after 40 days of proclaiming the kingdom of God, and, uh, and they're, they're, they're wanting to focus on the local politics, the local thing right here. And, and Jesus is like, no, uh, your, your focus is too small. The kingdom of God is much broader. I'm going to depoliticize this. I'm going to take this away from that, that right now. Uh, and that is something yet to come. But right now, we're going to look at the whole globe, that it's always been part of God's desire for the world to know the truth. And before that day, before that judgment comes where God will set all things right, he wants his message to go forth. And, and so we need to keep the focus that it's on the gospel. It's on proclaiming uh, what Jesus has done. <clears throat> And, um, and so Paul writes later in 1 Corinthians that when he came to you, brothers, he did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, but he had decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The focus is, again, not on convincing others to, uh, uh, through some, some fancy words or, or overwhelming message, but 
pointing to Jesus Christ, pointing to the power that we have in Jesus. The other example that in this chapter that of what happens when we lose our focus is Judas. Um, when after the ascension, Peter gathers them in Jerusalem and says, "Hey, let's remember the one who was part of us, who abandoned us, and 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 he um, he had gone and betrayed Jesus. He showed them, and he betrayed him with a kiss, and then he committed suicide and died." It's like, what happens when we lose our focus? And Judas had joined as a, as a zealot hoping to gain power, uh, to, to do that political maneuvering, uh, and to get, um, to set things the way he wanted. When things didn't go the way he wanted, he, he set out to gain power through money and, and favor with the Sanhedrin, and so he betrayed Jesus. And then, in doing so, led to despair. So even though he spent three years with Jesus and heard Jesus talk about the grace, the mercy, the love of God, that Jesus would be one that no matter what sin you commit, when you repent, he would forgive. Later, John writes in 1 John, it says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That there's no one too far from God when they turn and repent and confess their sin that he would forgive. But, but Judas didn't even at the end, believe that he went in his despair and committed suicide. And, uh, and, and here we see in Acts, it's like, stay focused. That's not, <clears throat> that's not what we're about. We're not to be veering off into other things or putting our own agenda into the mission of God, but we need to stay focused on the mission. So what is the mission? So we got the main thing. We got our fo- the focus that we're supposed to have to stay on the main thing. And the mission in verse 8 through 11 here says... But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And, and so here we have uh, that, that Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit's coming, the promised one. So remembering that Jesus said to them that it is good that he goes because the Comforter will come, and that he will send the Holy Spirit. And so when the Holy Spirit comes, that they will have power to be his witnesses. In Matthew, he says uh, that all power, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him and that, that you to be his witnesses uh, throughout the world, making disciples of all nations. And, and this is uh, both a, uh, a recounting of what they said in Matthew, Mark, uh, Luke, and John, but also then a little bit of an outline of the entire book of Acts that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem as the day of Pentecost happens, as the Holy Spirit comes and uh, the proclamation happens that the church begins in Jerusalem and then it grows out from Jerusalem into Judea, Samaria, and then even uh, throughout the, the missionary journeys recorded in Acts to the uttermost part of the world at the time. And so you can kind of follow the outline of the book. But, but also this is a good understanding that that we are to begin where we are, our Jerusalem, like where do we live, who we are, that the, the, when the Holy Spirit comes on us, when we accept Jesus Christ, receive him, the Holy Spirit indwells us, and, and as we seek him in obedience through the word of God, through, uh, that we are filled with the Spirit to, uh, to fulfill his mission, beginning here where we are, and then moving out to our surrounding communities, and even to the uttermost part of the world. Like we are all the beneficiaries and the recipients of people who were faithful to this call. Uh, that this gospel that um, was first proclaimed in Jerusalem on the other side of the world, 
is now something that we proclaim here today in America and that the church has been proclaiming for over 2,000 years. That it's a, it is a journey, it is a, a mission that we've been called on to participate in and as we come to Christ that we should uh, seek to fulfill this to all the nations of the world. And you know, um, it's been part of God's plan since the beginning to bless all nations, to call all nations onto himself. And, and I just thought, briefly looking at five passages that, that demonstrate that from Genesis through Revelation, it's been God's desire that all nations, not just uh, one people, but all nations come to faith in him. And so in Genesis 17, 5, in the blessing of Abraham, in the first covenant with Abraham, it's like, he says, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but you shall be Abraham, for I've made you the father of a multitude of nations. And later he says, through your descendants, all the nations of the world will be blessed. In 1 Kings 8, 60, Solomon is dedicating the temple unto God, and it says that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God, there is no other. Again, all the, all the earth. In Isaiah 56, 7, that we're that uh, he, it's a house of prayer for all nations. It says, These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. Our passage today then in Acts 1.8, But you will receive power uh, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So being missionaries to the end of the earth, Revelation 7, 9 through 10, every nation, tribe, and tongue one day gathered. It says, after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. God's desire, God's passion has always been for the whole world to know, that all people know and that all people would come. And when his people stay focused on the main thing, uh, the good news of, of Jesus Christ, the good news that God is a God of love, mercy, and redemption for those who uh, come to him, that they were always called to draw people to himself. And so we need to stay focused on the main thing and on the mission that we get to participate in the declaration, the proclamation of the gospel, the movement of the kingdom that God uh, reigns, that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, that he ascends to heaven, and he is continually inviting us uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit to saving knowledge of him. And so from the main thing, the focus and the mission, we're not left alone to do this on, on our own, like on, in our own power, but there is the power, the power of the Holy Spirit that he promised. Verse 4 or 5, he ordered them uh, not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the, the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Very soon, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and when he does, he will empower you to be my witnesses. And the description of when the Holy Spirit comes, there's a promise that you will be my witnesses, is that it's going to happen. It's, in, it's, it's as a believer, when the Holy Spirit is in you, he changes things. You're different. And as we fall in love with Jesus and we focus on him and what he's done for us, we won't be able to help but say and tell others the good news. 
And for the apostles here who were with him all this time, when the Holy Spirit came on them, they proclaimed. They went throughout, and they were willing to even sacrifice their lives for the message of the gospel to go into all the world. And, and so it is this power that Jesus is like, it is to your advantage that I go away. Actually, let's just read it in John 16, 7 through 11. Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So Jesus is saying, he has to go that the Holy Spirit may come. Now, doesn't, that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit wasn't active throughout the Old Testament or even throughout the Gospels. But there's a unique um, shift in the, the working of the Holy Spirit into the indwelling of the believer and the mission of the church that takes place here. And which is... Uh, in Acts chapter 2 in the day of Pentecost when it says a mighty wind came and like a, uh, the Holy Spirit sent like fires, uh, tongues of fires over them like there's just something that empowered them uh, that, and that was very clear that the apostles were different from that moment moving forward and that uh, they were empowered to go and then begins throughout the book of Acts we see the Holy Spirit coming on the apostles and we see the Holy Spirit uh, coming on to the disciples of John. We see the Holy Spirit coming into the Cornelius' household. And so moving from, from Jerusalem and the, the inner circle of Jesus' followers to other believing Jews, to, other, to the believing Gentiles, and then throughout um, all throughout then Paul's missionary journeys to all the Gentiles, that the Holy Spirit is coming. And so even as we, we sing and, and say, Holy Spirit, you're welcomed here, like this needs to be our attitude that we are surrendered and submitted to the Holy Spirit who is here. He's present. He desires to use us um, to proclaim his message, to bless others around us. Um, but oftentimes we're not paying attention. So I love the prayer. Make, make us aware of your presence, O oh Lord. And, uh, and, and continually adding that to our daily prayers that God make me aware of your presence. Because God says, even in... Uh, uh, Jesus said it in Matthew that he is with us always even to the end of the world that he's with us but are we paying attention to what he's doing and how we can be involved in it because again Jesus is working he's advocating for us he has sent his spirit to work in and through us so the main thing the main point is that we stay focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ to the whole world and the power of the Holy Spirit Jesus is working in and through us today and we get to have this opportunity to participate in it. I know for me, there's been a few times in my life where uh, just the, the Holy Spirit has provoked me in ways that like isn't my typical daily activity. So for those of you who don't know me too well, I'm, I'm an introvert by nature, and I don't like speaking in front of people. Well, I didn't. I enjoy it now, but um, a little bit. Uh, so, but I was super shy, and I wanted to be behind the scenes and everything, and I went on a missions trip when I was 19 years old, right after I finished high school. My, my plans were to go on this missions trip, come back, enlist in the Marines, and then figure out life after that. That was my goal, my plan. And my, my parents convinced me, uh, why don't you go on one more missions trip before you enlist? And it's like, hey, travel the world, why not? So I went to Trinidad and Tobago on a missions trip with Teen Missions International, 
it was a work trip that we were going to build things. So I was behind the scenes. I could work and I wouldn't have to say much. But on this mission trip, just kept finding that um, I was getting invited to share my testimony or share a Bible study at our uh, campfire studies. And, and, uh, and it, so I struggled through that, but we were still build, and most of it was about building, or actually it was started out demolishing things, which is a lot of fun. But then um, rains came. It, it, it wasn't supposed to be a rainy season, and a lot of rain came. And our, our uh, team leader, he is, uh, owned a construction company in California, and, uh, and he was just like, his name was Dan, Dan Ralph, and he said, we're not going to waste our time waiting for the rain to stop. Let's, uh, let's get our Bibles, and let's start going door to door. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I didn't sign up to go door-to-door evangelism. And so I was one of the older team, uh, teens on the team, so they, they gave me a couple uh, teammates who are younger than me, as, and we began walking. And as we're walking down the street, we were assigned. Um, we would uh, come up to a house, and every time we were coming towards a house, we'd be like, who's going to talk this time? And I'm like, you know, I'll just pray. You guys can talk. I'll, I'll be the spiritual prayer partner. And, uh, and that's what I did. Like, uh, I had no excuse not to talk. I was raised in a church. I was raised in Bible clubs. I knew the Bible pretty well at that time. I knew the gospel, but I was scared to speak it. And we go to the next house, and I'm like, oh, you can talk. Oh, next, you can talk. And I just kept deferring. There's only uh, four of us, so they were going multiple times, and, um, and I was not talking. And then we had a little bit longer walk to a house, and Somebody's like, all right, who's going to talk at, uh, at this house? And I heard a voice say, I will. And then these start saying, all right, Brad, you can do this. Good job, Brad. I'm like, I didn't say anything. <laughs> like, I don't remember saying anything. Um, surely it wasn't me. And I'm like, nope, you got this. And I'm, then all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm like trembling. Like, what? Um, I'm going to go talk. And so um, I'm like, all right, I guess I said that. And we get to the, the house and... Um, it was just a unique situation where we could just stand at the gate and say hello to the house and they would look out and say oh young american kids why don't you come visit us so we did and so i I got to talk to an 83 year old hindu woman um who had never heard the gospel before and i didn't know what to say so i i had marked in my bible the romans road of salvation just the gospel through uh the the book of romans and and so I just started with Romans 3.23. I opened it up and I turned, they speak English there, so that was super helpful because I'm terrible with other languages. But I turned my Bible around and I just say, uh, would you read this? And she read, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I said, what do you think that means? And she explained it. I'm like, very good. Then let's turn over here. Why don't you read this verse? Romans 6.23. And just we went through the whole um, Romans road that I had and at the end it just says if you believe within your mouth believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus you will be saved and I was like is that something you want to do and she's like yes and with tears in her eyes and like she's like yes and I was like well you just need to tell tell God that and so I didn't lead her in a sinner's prayer I just told her just just talk to God right now and so she did and she prayed a beautiful prayer and afterwards she's like you guys need to come back and tell my son he needs to hear this and I was just, I walked away, and I'm like, this is incredible. I'm like, I want to do this again. And we turn out of the, out of the gate of the house, and we're at a dead end. That was the last house. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm ready to go now. <laughs> Let's do it. And, um, but it didn't, as we turned, we saw a car coming in and, uh, uh, at a house that nobody was home earlier. So we ran there and got a chance to share there. And uh, uh, it was just a moment where 
God provoked me out of my cowardice, out of my um, being fearful to say, no, you are my witness, and I'm going to make it happen. And he did. And uh, we had a team of 33 teenagers from all across America went there, and our, our team led about 153 people to the Lord there and planted a church on the work site. Like, work got canceled because of the rain, but the church that we worked with in uh, the capital city said, hey, we're going to send people here to, like, you, you've reached a lot of people in this village, and so we're going to plant this church. And it was just a moment where I was just like, I, I just want to do this with the rest of my life. <clears throat> so that's w- where I made the decision to come home and, uh, and tell my recruiting sergeant that, no, I wasn't going to go to the Marines, I was going to go to Bible school, and that's how I'm here today. But it was a thing where it wasn't my plan, it wasn't my intention, but I had surrendered my life to Christ years before. And when we do that, we belong to him. And he promises that when we surrender to him, he will use us. And no matter how um, inadequate we feel, no matter what we think our strengths and weaknesses are, that when we avail ourselves to him, that he will use us. And sometimes even when we don't realize where we are, that he's going to use us because he promises that you will be his witnesses where you are in your surrounding communities and even throughout the world and that we can be confident that he who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ when he returns. And so my prayer for you is that we would keep the main thing, that we stay focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ to the whole world in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father God, we're so thankful today for the faithfulness of your first witnesses who surrendered their lives to you, were filled with the Spirit, and proclaimed your name to those in Jerusalem. Even in the next chapter, we see 3,000 added to the church that very day, and thousands more, and hundreds more, and then the gospel just kept going and going and going because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, because he ascended to heaven, because he sent the Holy Spirit, and that he is still active through the Holy Spirit in the apostles' lives and in our lives today. Lord, I pray that we would be aware of your working in our hearts and our minds, Lord, that we would remember that the good news is that Jesus Christ lives, that he, he is working, and that we can have our confidence in him, not in our own selves, not in our own strength, but in him. Lord, as we look back and see all the things that you've been faithful to, all the believers uh, in, the, in the past, Lord, we, we can look forward knowing that you will be faithful to us. And so we commit these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen.